Welcome to Rogue Bogues. This is a bonus episode for all you NBL fans here in Australia and around the world. I have an opportunity to speak to a basketball guru here in Australia, and we're going to break down the NBL upcoming season and give you a preview. And none better than to join us, John Casey Case. Welcome to Rogue Bogues. Hey, thanks for having me, Bogues. Good to catch up with you. And we're just talking about it off air. This is now your fourth decade covering basketball, correct? <laughs> You're making me sound very old, but that is true. I started back in the 1980s. So I think the first season of the NBL was way back in 1979. So I've seen the black and white footage of St Kilda winning on the buzzer in that first <laughs> championship game. And yeah, I've seen uh, I've seen a few games since then and it's been such an enjoyable ride to see the growth of the league and so many fantastic players coming through and highlighted today by uh, Josh Giddy. Uh, Lighting it up in the NBA again. What a what a great uh, performance he's putting in there in the NBA in his rookie season. Yeah, having a great run, especially coming from the NBL. But um, yeah, you've you've seen all facets of Australian basketball. You're obviously the the lead play by play guru. Um, I was fortunate enough to work with at the the um, 2020 or 21 Olympics, whatever you want to call it, um, out in Tokyo, where we commentated the basketball and got to witness that uh, that special moment for the Boomers. Yeah, it was. You know, 110 days ago today since. Uh, the Boomers won the rolled gold medal, um, which they like to refer, refer to it to, um, the bronze picking up the bronze. And actually, now that you've brought it up, I'd really like to ask you a question before you start asking me some questions about this NBL season. I don't know if uh, going off script is okay on road boats. That's what it's all about. That's the, that's the name. <laughs> okay. Well, here's my question. When the Boomers won the bronze medal, I got the impression that you had – I think, you know, it hit you. There seemed to be a moment I was looking at you and I thought, that's just hit him. It's just hit Bogues here that they've won a medal. And that was you know, so important to you and to everyone involved as Andrew Gaze went on to expand on with his emotional uh, performance, which was absolutely outstanding. But I just got the impression you seemed pretty cool, pretty laid back, everything. Nothing seemed to phase you. But it, I just, <laughs> it looked like it dawned on you that they've done it and I'm not there and I've been such a big part of this. I'm, you know, And it wasn't that you, you, know, you weren't there. Well, I don't know. Maybe it was a little bit of the fact that you weren't there. But I think that it was... I know a lot of people probably underestimate what you did and how much you've put in to make the Boomers a successful campaign, a successful group. And I think I'm sure, uh, you know, you would have been a little disappointed that you weren't there on the floor. If, you know, if COVID hadn't hit, you would have been and you'd have a, an Olympic medal now to add to your collection. Um, is, am I around the mark or, yeah, or did on. I just you're misread something there? Yeah, when you're in the moment commentating and, and obviously we were doing our prep work and, and trying to get through all that stuff to prepare for different countries and proud of the boys playing well, you don't really, I guess, feel it. But then once that final siren went, especially after the USA performance, like we, we, we were we were playing very good basketball in that game and we probably all thought that we had a real good track and then just had a bad finish to the first half, which led into the second half and then the US ran over us. But to bounce back from that and do something that no one's ever done it was yeah it was an emotional moment there was some FOMO there case for sure um not yep. so much as 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 oh, I was jealous of these blokes more like damn like why couldn't the body hold up why couldn't you just get one more year out you stubborn bastard and, and go out and just <laughs> even if it was a couple of minutes a night and and just be part of that but um yeah just just awesome to see and and life goes full circle right like Gorgon's story with all that never won a medal we, we've never won a medal but Gorge was involved with with some campaigns where it was more of a rebuild to then lead 
lead us to our first medal was just sensational. And, and as Paddy and Joe and everyone have said now, this this is the bare minimum. Um, the bar's being set. So hopefully, you know, the, the names you mentioned earlier, Josh Giddy, some other younger guys coming through. We, you know, Dyson Daniels, a young kid now playing very well over there in the G League. Um, so a, a lot of great young prospects coming up. And I, I, I have a feeling this might not be the last medal we get, Case. Yeah, definitely so. I think it's onwards and upwards from from here. And another thing that I heard Joe Ingalls and Paddy Mills in particular talk about was that this wasn't only their medal. It was for every player that had pulled on the green and gold since the 1956 Olympics when we first represented at the Olympic Games in men's basketball. And I, I really hope that everyone, including yourself, that's played a part, has pulled on the singlet and, you know, done everything that you could in your career to make a success and win a medal at the Olympic level shares in the in the success that we had in Tokyo because it was uh, a long time coming and a lot of hiccups along the way. I remember when we lost to Spain in Rio and just the devastation that that felt like, um, you know, when we were bleeding inside the last 10 seconds but couldn't get across the line for various reasons. But that was such a devastating hit. But uh, now to win the bronze and look ahead and know that, you know, we are potentially a silver and maybe even a gold medal contender. So it's just a matter of maintaining uh, that charge toward the pinnacle. It is. And I think that what, what Patty and Joe have instilled about this is everyone's medal. Sometimes that can be taken as lip service, but it isn't. I think we need to establish those past roots of the boomers, which has been a bit of an issue with um, Basketball Australia at times of, of really making sure that if you've done, you know, once a boomer, always a boomer. Once an opal, always yeah. an opal. And I think we really need to reestablish that connection. I think Paddy did a fantastic job of, I know when he came back to Australia um, and he was in Brisbane, he had the, the Brisbane-based or Queensland-based boomers and former boomers all go get together and have a lunch and a coffee and a beer. And I think they're the kind of things that you need to instill. So it's it's more than just playing for your country and it's more than just the national team. It's it's once a boomer, always a boomer. And I think starting that off now with a bronze medal and continuing on with that is, is just a fantastic story. So yeah, real passionate, real emotional time. I mean, Gazy probably said it best and um, he's a guy that has lived and breathed it for, for many a decades with his father and, and a rich basketball history. But um, yeah, let's let's just hope this isn't the last the last piece of uh, medal that we, that we get. No, just absolutely great memories of, of the whole campaign. And I hope that they can replicate that um, catch up that they had in Queensland, in Brisbane for the boomers that uh, spread out around Australia. I'd love to see a meeting here in South Australia and get the likes of Phil Smythe and Peter Ally and all those others, and Mike Mackay and Daryl Pierce all involved. Uh, you know, get one of the, the bronze medalists to come and uh, bring that medal and uh, just let them uh, touch it, smell it, feel it, and know that they were a part of uh, building the legacy that has got Australian men's basketball onto the podium at the Olympics. No doubt. All right, well, let's get into the NBL. Um, it's a it's a, uh, a strange kind of feel to it with, with you know, obviously we're in a strange part of a time <laughs> in, in world world history and just everything going on. COVID's thrown some spanners in the works, even last season, the NBA, NBL, we've spoken to that, about that at length with numerous different people, but it's kind of, I think this is a pretty somewhat wide open season. Look, I think there's a few outliers that kind of, you know, there's a couple of teams you predict that will be at the bottom, but I've, I've really struggled to pick my at least my top four. I've, I've struggled to put my ladder together. But um, how do you how do you see this season? Do you do you think I'm right, or do you think that it's, it's pretty clear cut with with the top end of it? No, I couldn't agree with you more, Boats. It's an outstanding lineup of teams. We've got ten teams now for the uh, 
back to 10 teams with the introduction of the Tasmanian Jack Jumpers. Um, but trying to pick a top four is always tough because those teams that are around the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh mark, it's going to come down to perhaps injuries and a little bit of luck here and there and, and winning tight games and making sure you take care of business when you're at home. So I've uh, worked out my top four. Uh, but it wasn't a very easy thing to do. And I have to say that I've left the defending champs, Melbourne, out of the top four. I noticed Shane Heal also left them out of his top four. And you very rarely will see that in the NBL with the reigning champs, um, you know, not to make the finals the following year. So that's going to be really interesting to see how that unfolds for Dean Bickerman and obviously Delhi back there running the show there, but no uh, Jock Landale this year and the changes that they've made. I think uh, I just couldn't squeeze them in there. So they're not in my top four, but yeah, trying to rate each team is difficult. And I think it really is as it generally goes, how your imports go is how the team will go. So it's going to rely on who stands up and that many of those imports are unknown to Australia and FIBA basketball, the Australian basketball style. So that's going to be interesting to see how that unfolds. Yeah, and I think United have a they have one import spot up their sleeves too, don't they? Potentially. Yes. Yeah. So I think that that will be kind of if they're looking to make a change mid season or early on, or if they're still looking. I believe they have one spot left um, where they can make some moves. But anyway, let's get let's get into it. I'm going to start with the um, the Sydney Kings. Um, I have a bit of a bias. Obviously, I I have them. Um, we'll go through our ladder later, but I have them first. It's own a bias. I have to, otherwise I'll, I'll cop shit and I want to be opt- <laughs> I want to be optimistic. But I really do believe uh, we have a, a really really good balanced roster. I think Chris Pongrass has done a fantastic job. We have the luxury of of not having to rush Dayan Vasiljevic back uh, prolific scorer fantastic rookie year obviously um hurt his achilles tore his achilles last season and we thought shit we need him back on the court provide scoring where we're now with the way our roster is looking we feel very well balanced we have a good mix of, of youth and probably could do with a little bit more veteran leadership so we probably need a few of our younger guys probably to to, to step up a little bit sean bruce has been fantastic vadanovic has been awesome in, in that category but there's there's a lot of youth i don't know if you've caught any of the preseason games but um chase buford is all about the six seconds or less offense we are we are flying the ball up the floor and i'm, I'm liking what i'm seeing so far so it'll all be how it mixes but um i've got the kings at the top of the table case well you're a braver man than me because i don't have the kings at the top but as you say you've got owner bias well uh, but I, I don't, um, you know, I'm really looking forward to seeing what they bring to the table. I love what Chase Buford's doing, as you say, getting up and down the floor. And there's certainly uh, some great talent there. I've been impressed with Boali Bales. He uh, he can really ball out. Angus Glover fully fits, going to be interesting, um, you know, what he can bring to the table as well. But I think Xavier Cooks has been uh, outstanding in the NBL Blitz so far. Really like what he's done. You know, he had a double-double against Melbourne, backed it up with a double-double against New Zealand. So he's, um, you know, he's making a statement that this is going to be his best year. Uh, and again, as I mentioned earlier, it's going to come back down to the imports. We know what we're going to get from Jarrell Martin. Uh, but, you know, what uh, your other imports, RJ Hunter and, and Jalen Adams can bring, well, that's a little bit of an unknown at the moment. And I think that, um, you know, how they play is going to dictate where the Sydney Kings finish. But uh, I had the Kings down in sixth spot, would you believe? Ouch. I know the bookmakers... Yeah, well, again, as I say, once you get to that fourth position uh, and fifth and sixth, it's really hard. And, and you, the team that I've got at sixth, well, the Kings, you know, they're the favourites according to the bookmakers. Uh, I just think it's tough for a first-year coach to come in and uh, be able to have a you know an immediate impact. I know it's been done in the past, but this league gets tougher and tougher every year, and I think it's getting tougher and tougher for a rookie coach to come in or a first-year coach in the NBL. I shouldn't call him a rookie, but... Um, 
I, and how those imports gel, uh, look, I, I just don't know if, if they can get enough wins on the board to finish in the top four, the Sydney Kings, but I'm really excited about the way they play and the talent that they've got. So they're going to be one of the must-see um, teams this year in the NBL. Yeah, and obviously we're talking about rosters fully healthy, so just just to give everyone a feel for what we're picking on, I think um, Jarrell Martin had a, had a fantastic season last season, a little bit injury prone at times, but I think he'll he's come back in phenomenal shape. I, I don't know if you've seen many games, but he's he's definitely dropped some weight. He was a bit heavy last yeah. season, so he looks fantastic. DJ, DJ will obviously come back to the tail end of the season, which can actually be used as a bonus to give us a bit of life if we're kind of running through mud when those seasons get a little bit tough. But Jalen Adams, I mean, pl- playing playing both both ends of the floor is solid. And then we're forgetting the Maker brothers to an extent. And and, and McCoy Maker, I think he he really, you know, has an opportunity to be a uh, potentially an NBA player. You know, he has the body, he has the length, and obviously went over to Howard for a season and and, and did all that. But um yeah, look, a good good mix of young, young players. Jordan Hunter's actually hurt his finger so he's out for for a little bit but yeah I'm looking forward just to seeing how it gels and that's going to be the million dollar question for the Sydney Kings is is can this all be cohesive and mix well in Chase Buford's system but um, I'm, I'm excited as an owner to see this squad together and hopefully it will be towards the top of the table yeah well I think you should be excited as an owner because the squad that's been put together it does look really good and as I say it will come down to how it all gels together and I'm a little hesitant about talking up players that haven't played here before whether you know, particularly with the imports, because well, well we don't have to go back uh, too far to see uh, you know people who have arrived in Australia with a big reputation and were going to be all this and all that who didn't weren't able to produce for whatever reason. So, uh, really hard when you haven't seen too much form. I've watched every. I think we've had fourteen NBL Blitz games so far. I've seen every one. So, but you know, everyone's been playing restricted minutes or haven't played the full team or has injuries. So I don't know how much of a read you can get on what's going on at the Blitz at the moment, but certainly a winning form is good form. And those teams at the top like Adelaide and Brisbane, well, they'll be pretty happy to be undefeated and likewise Illawarra. But Sydney to me, jury still out, Bodes. Couldn't get them in the top four in my pre-season calculations, but for your sake, I hope I'm wrong when we get to the pointy end of the season. Yeah, fair enough. And just one quick shout-out to Angus Glover. He has um, looked phenomenal in pre-season. He has had a horror run with injuries, with the knee injuries, and just a great a great young kid, great young talent who's stared down the barrel numerous times of, of, of potentially his career. He's been told at times he's crazy for going on, and he continues to battle, and, and um, he's had a fantastic pre-season, and I hope you know he has an injury-free 10 years ahead of him um, in his basketball career so shout out to him let's go on to your hometown Adelaide 36ers made some uh spent a fair bit of money this offseason case uh that salary caps inching over into the tax I think it'd be close but uh, notably as well a late pickup in Cam Besto which um you know he's had a horror run with injuries the last couple of seasons um hasn't really found a home struggled a little bit with Brisbane at times when he was up there but Look, I think I think Adelaide. I don't I don't have them in my top four. I have them in six. But I think yep. they, I think they're going to steal some games every now and then. They have, they have some they have some gunners on that team. Daniel Johnson, seasoned veteran, great scorer. Dusty Hannes. Now he's going to get them up, but he can. Yep. He might have a few thirty balls, close to forty balls, with with how 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 much he gets them up. He might shoot you out of a game or two, but he might also keep you in a game. McCarron, utilities guy, probably a guy they needed. Uh, at the guard spot, yep. whenever you can get a an Australian local at the guard spot who's a top three, top four Australian in the league in his position, that helps your salary cap immensely because that'll obviously be a, a marquee. Isaac Humphreys, his health will be a question. One thing I noticed about Adelaide, a lot of bigs, a lot of a lot of four fives. You know, King can play a bit of the three four. 
Um, you've got Kai Soto, you've got Humphreys, you've got Daniel Johnson. So I'm not sure how that all fits minutes-wise, but where do you see them and and, and what, what should we expect from them? Well, I'm not an owner of in the league such as yourself, but it's interesting <laughs> that Grant Kelly, the owner of the team, as you say, he has uh, loosened the purse strings and Jeff Van Groningen's done an outstanding job uh, to go and recruit this team that they put together because uh, maybe it's my Adelaide living here bias, but I've got Adelaide on top. And right now they're undefeated. They've won three games. I'll tell you why I've got them on top, because I love their versatility. Uh, a couple of things. They've got three or four ball carriers, and we, we see them all playing at once in the blitz. We've seen, you know, McCarron and Dusty Hannes. Withers carries the ball. Sunday Ditch can carry the ball. Mojave King does it. Nick Marshall, I think, is going to make a real statement uh, in his rookie season this year. And the new coach as well. Now, CJ has got runs on the board. Six-time champion. He's got, as a player, He's certainly got the pedigree through his dad in, in basketball, and I, I've heard him referred to as a real players coach. Well, I think that unsells him. He is more than a players coach. He's going to be a great coach. And I think Adelaide, they've been proactive. You talked about the height that they've got. Well, that's outstanding because they are now being proactive and want teams, rather than trying see what a team does and counter that to a certain degree, they're going to do something and make other teams try and counteract what they're doing. So I like the fact that they're going proactive. And if you look at the personnel, well, Mitch McCarron is the best Australian point guard in the competition. Uh, I would argue, and I don't think many people would argue against me, that Daniel Johnson is the best four in the competition. Isaac Humphreys, to me, is the best Australian centre in the competition. So there's three key elements of your starting five. Put in two imports. Dusty Hannah's averaged 20 in the G League two seasons ago. And whether it's Withers, although I'm hearing Mojave King will get the start when the season gets underway, I think that five is outstanding. And then off the bench, you've got the likes of Bearstow. You've got the likes of Sunday Detch, who's in the Defensive Player of the Year conversation every year. You've got maybe Withers coming off the bench. Uh, Manny Malou's going to be handy for them. And Kai Soto, well, Kai Soto is better than anyone gives him credit for. Go and check out his FIBA highlights and the World Cup qualifiers, and he can ball. He's not just here as a project player and a stepping stone to the NBA. Um, of course, that's where we think he's going to end up, but he's here to make a statement. So I'm really positive about Adelaide, and I think they can win the whole thing. Big call, big call. They they uh, they had a talented roster last season to extend as well. Injury hit them at numerous times. My worry is just... You know, I know CJ very well, but just a rookie head coach in the league. Thankfully, he has that but experience. But is he a rookie? Yeah, I mean, head coaching. I know technically he is. Yeah, head coaching is a whole different ball game, though. Okay, so in my opinion, I, th I think he, he's probably the best suited um, non-head coach to be a head coach because he's been around the league so long. He's been an assistant under numerous different um, coaches. I know he head coaches in the um, in whatever it's called now is at the QBL still um, up in Queensland. So he has he has coaching experience. But once you're coaching men, with arguably you know there are a lot of people that are picking them top four. So the expectations there for a rookie coach, I think he'll be okay. I think there'll be adjustment periods. I just need to be sold on whether at all meshes. There's only so many minutes, Case, and that's a concern I have for this team is will Kai Soto be okay with one night having an eight-minute night because King's killing it or vice versa. We know King had some issues in cans with minutes at times, wanted to be a full-time starter. If he gets benched, does he does he crack the shits and then cause some issues? So that's that's what I have gripe-wise. I think McCarron's a good leader to try and keep all the guys. The best. On, on. He's the best point guard in the competition, Bogues. Name a better one. Yeah, and especially as a as a guy that's – he's not a very vocal guy, but I think he leads by example. I think, um, you know, I've heard that United at times wanted him to be more vocal and more of that leadership yep. um, quality. That's not his personality, but he will lead by example, and I think – 
they will be leaning on him a lot to be vocal in that locker room and say, hey, let's get it together, guys. We've got to stay on the same page. I think Daniel Johnson's role will be that as well. He's another quiet guy. So my only concern is that it's that that when they have – because they're going to, everyone in the NBA is going to hit a two-week lull or a three-week lull is how they bounce through that. And that's kind of what cost them last season. When they when they hit a lull, it just went it went downhill real quick. But um, I think – I have them probably a little low, but I, th- I think they're one of the most talented rosters in the league. But I just need to be, I need to see it before I believe it, Case. Yeah, I understand that completely. You make some good points. There's only three players from last year. I, th- I think you could ignore what happened last year. They've got three players back, uh, and, you know, a new coach this year as well. So I think you can, a lot of things didn't work out last year, including the injury to Isaac Humphreys. But Isaac Humphreys, he stays healthy then that I think they're championship contender. And he I spoke with him at the Blitz prior to their first game and, and he's all energy. He's all about maintaining what he did in the first start uh, the first part of last season where he was in the MVP conversation before he was injured. He wants to get back to that and maintain that for the whole season because he wants to prove he is the best big in this competition. He has a point to prove. He said he's got an even bigger chip on his shoulder now, bigger than the one that he had when he came back last season. So I really like the way that he's talking things up. And and look, I just see Adelaide's versatility, as I say, with all those ball carriers and already the leadership we're seeing from Mitch McCarron in the Blitz, where they got into a sticky situation um, and he was able to think his way through it. His IQ is off the charts rarely makes a mistake, always happy to be a pass-first um, point guard. I think he he brings so much to the table. I mean, he could have went to any team in the competition, the hottest agent, a uh, free agent in the off-season. He ended up in Adelaide on a three-year deal. So, speaks volume for to the 36ers. a amount of money, Case, I can say, you know, we, we, might, we might or might not have had him on our, uh, our free agent <laughs> board, but once we heard some of those numbers that uh, Grant Kelly and Van Groningen threw out, we were like, whoa, <laughs> I don't know if we have that in our cap. So, he was lauded by a lot of teams. The Jack Jumpers, too, were after him. And yep. he, he's not he's not a flashy, high-scoring, you know no. that's the star of a team guy. But you look at a stat sheet at the end of the night, he might have seven points, nine assists, three steals, no, you know, one turnover, and and that's kind of what you want on that team. With all that, if they if they didn't have that talent and scoring around him, you'd scratch your head a little bit at him making that kind of money because you'd be like, he needs to score being paid that amount of money. Yep. Because they have so much scoring, he's the perfect utilities guy. So for fans out there, you're not going to see 20-plus point nights from him. And if you know the game, he's going to really affect the game in different ways. So I, I agree with you there. I think that was – and it's a cultural shift for Adelaide, I think. they've, they've yep. Instead of going after a flashy – High scoring name that kind of isn't a winner that they'll get you they'll get bums and seats but they're not going to really get you wins they've gone the opposite route where they've they've, over, they've paid big money for a guy that isn't overly flashy but I think will get you more wins so that's a win for for Adelaide in my opinion yeah and that's the key point he's going to get you more wins because the way he plays down the stretch his IQ. He's going to run the ship. There was a game there during the Blitz that they could have lost. In fact, they would have lost in previous years because the point guard isn't the Mitch McCarron point guard who's always making good decisions. He almost dribbled the clock down at one stage because that was the best thing to do into the circumstances. Um, you know, I just think he brings so much to the table. And you're right, it is a cultural shift because when's the last time Adelaide picked up the hottest free agent in the offseason? I, I can't remember it. And Mitch McCarron signing a three-year deal uh, he's here for the long haul, and as the reigning championship uh, point guard, uh, he brings so much to the table. And uh, as I say, I'm just really excited about uh, what the Adelaide 36ers can do this year. 
Yeah, we'll watch that space. That'll be interesting. Okay, let's go on to our first year Tasmania Jack Jumpers case. Uh, I guess the, the the easy question is, can they finish any higher than last? I know some people have cans down the bottom, but I think they will be last. I think they're going to battle. I like. I don't mind their top six, seven, but I think beyond that, there's a there's a drop off, and I think that's what's going to cost them. Their expansion team, the old school terminology from the NBA, they have some talent. Have some guys that can score, like the Steindl pickup. You know, he's a guy that can get you buckets. Maggetti's been raved about in preseason. Magne's looking much better. Looks he looked like a shell of himself last season. Um, and he's still in Perth, but he looks much, much better. I think they've got some players, but I, I just think that there's not enough depth on that roster and they're, they're an injury away from from potentially, you know, having a really, really bad inaugural you know, first season. So I think they'll I think they'll battle. They'll be in games. I think it's gonna be one of those situations where they they battle for three quarters and then still lose by fourteen at times but they, they they won't be you know they'll battle and that's what you want from an expansion first uh, first year team but I don't, I don't see them finishing i've got them dead last um and yeah where do you where do you see them finishing up and do you think they have any chance to to get above last yeah well i think they do uh, i don't have them in my top four i don't think they can make the top four in their first year i agree with most of what you say that the depth is going to be an issue for them and that one injury if will magne was to get injured uh and let's knock on wood here that that doesn't happen because i think he's the key you know behind him there isn't a lot of depth he has to stay healthy he has to play at his optimum and his best is very good and but if I guess most teams you could say well if we have an injury then it's really going to hurt our chances but I think um, you know Will Magne is such a key for them but you're right they just don't have the depth I mean uh, the depth that they need uh, Majet is looking like a very good contributor as the guard and I think we're going to be excited about what we'll see from their other import as well Josh Adams really like what he brings to the table Sam McDaniel I thought was outstanding last year when uh, the way he finished the season with Melbourne United and deservedly has picked up a, you know a bigger contract down uh, with Tasmania and you know Steindl as the captain I think is a good pickup tough I think one of the hardest things when you're the captain if you're a specialist three-point shooter is what do you do when you have a quiet night and people you know you're you're letting it fly and it's not working for you I think that's really tough for a captain so but he's a quality player Jared Bairstow Matt Kenyon is going to be a surprise packet this year really like what I've seen from him in the blitz as well and as you say they've got other role players there like Jack McVeigh, Jared Weeks, Fabian Krizlovic um, and even uh, McIntosh, their other import, he looks like he can come in and do some good things for them. But it's always tough in your first year in the competition. And Tassie, uh, look, I think they've been a success already. And the reason I say that is because we saw almost a 1,000 people at Olverston, Tasmania, grassroots basketball fans, seeing these guys and the best the NBL has to offer up close and personal, pressing the flesh, doing um, you know, sort of promotional things there, speaking to the kids, promoting basketball. So it's a win already for Tasmania. Do I think they're going to win the title? No, I don't think they're going to make the finals. Uh, but I think that they can, you know, they're going to surprise a few people and they're going to thrill basketball-starved fans in Tasmania. So hats off to Larry Kesselman and all the people in Tasmania. I think they're going to be, for a lot of people, the second favourite team because we all want them to succeed. And uh, credit to everyone involved, and I'll look forward to seeing them surprise a few teams. Yeah, no doubt. I was I was fortunate enough to play in some of the last games in Tassie with the national team um, before basketball completely left the st- the state. So they love basketball there. They love sport there. They often get, as we know, shunned um, by the bigger leagues. But- with no one actually permanently basing a team there. So I think it was a no-brainer. The arena is supposed to be, you know, looking really good when that's all com- completely completed 
um, nice and shiny and they open those doors. I think that's a great story. But um, yeah, I just think they'll have their speed bumps along the way. They have some they have some battlers on that team. Um, I just think there'll be a, a, a drop off there. They have a rookie head coach as well. Let's not forget he was was involved with one of the best in the business in with, with Trevor Gleason um, and Scott Roth and a guy that I know very well. He was a scout with the Milwaukee Bucks when I was there playing with the Milwaukee Bucks and then had stints kind of all over the league with Toronto Raptors and whatnot. So he's he's going to have his workout cut, cut out for him too, starting out a whole new uh, – he's basically the face. You know, he's, he's going to be the guy that you, you remember because he's the first head coach of a new franchise. So there is a bit of pressure there. Yeah, exactly right. And just back to what you were talking about with the stadium, I've been lucky enough to be down there just prior to when the Blitz started on the first day. And that stadium is outstanding. It's picture perfect, right on the water there. Uh, and I know this isn't, doesn't really isn't going to add to their chances of winning a game. But just in terms of, if any NBL fans who are listening are contemplating a trip down to Tassie, go and do it. It's a beautiful stadium. What they've done in terms of the fan engagement there with the facilities is outstanding. And the locker rooms, well, outside of what the Sydney Kings enjoy at the former Olympic Stadium, I'd say they're the best in the country. Some of the shocked look I got on the faces of uh, visiting players who were there who'd been into the change rooms. I, I can't recall who the player was but he walked out of the change room and he said, have you been into the change room? It's unbelievable. And one of the uh, Jack Jumpers um, ancillary staff was there and he said, you should go and see the home change room. And he said, that's not the home. He said, no, that's the away team. It was blown away. And it, the facilities there are first class. It's going to be a raucous night there. You know, they've got over 3,000 members, I think. So it's almost going to be a sellout most nights. So if you're contemplating going down to sample what the Jack Jumpers are all about, I'd thoroughly recommend it. And I'm thrilled that I'm going to be there on opening night, uh, working on the sidelines there just to take in the atmosphere myself. But I'd recommend it to all the NBL fans to get down and have a look. And it's fully completed or is there still a few finishing touches they're doing? No, fully completed. Admittedly, that was uh, opening night. There was a lot of last-minute things being done. But uh, as far as I could tell, it was all fully completed. And, uh, you know, they spent $60 million on it and uh, they've done a terrific job of it. Congratulations again to uh, Tasmanian Basketball and every single person involved. Yeah, beautiful. I'll take the ferry over one day and uh, make it a weekend. Get down, down the there, folks. Yeah. You won't be disappointed. I have to get down there. I've, I, I loved, I love Tasmania. To be honest, I've uh, only been there Me co- a couple of times, but um, a lot of nice muscle cars there too. Case that are just hidden in people's garages. I've, I've purchased a few cars down that way, <laughs> but a uh, beautiful part of the world. Very, very, very clean. Very, very proud people. So. Hopefully, they, they don't finish last. Unfortunately, I have put you last. Next one, we're going to the Cairns Taipans. Now, a lot of people have Cairns down towards the bottom 40. Uh, former head coach of the Sydney Kings is there. Look, they're gonna, they're gonna, he's going to make them work. They're going to they're gonna be a tough team. They're not going to beat themselves, if that makes sense. They're going to they're gonna battle. Some things I've noticed, look, their, their roster is not as deep as recent years. It still starts and ends with, with Scott Machado. That, that's, that's the be-all and end-all. That's the head of the, of the Taipan, um, quote-unquote, where if you can, if you can limit – he does they they really generally won't win many games if he's not firing especially this season i think in the past they probably got away with him having some bad games and still winning because they had a few other pieces one thing i've noticed that ford has made a priority was they're getting the board nathan july in, in preseason and yeah he, he's not starting or he wasn't in preseason he's coming off the bench but if you've got the biggest strongest guy to play in the nbl if not one of the biggest and strongest to ever play in the nbl get him the damn ball every minute he's not going to play he's not playing 30 he's playing you know 15 to 20 um he's 
coming off the bench. They're making it an effort. Force feed nature Y while he's on the floor. Yes, they can go at him and pick and roll defensively, but we're going to punish you at the other end. And I've, I've made a note of that because I, I like that. I think if you've got Nate out on the floor, there's no point him being, you know, just, just standing around offensively, setting a few pick and rolls. Get him the damn ball. There's no one in the league that can guard him if he's refereed fairly, um, where he's, you know, not getting called for offensive fouls every other trip down. He is a very, very tough cover. And I even struggled, you know, with, with my height and strength in the NBL when he had a couple of games against me and knocks you around. He, he's a mammoth human being with a lot of athleticism. So I've liked that. And finally, I think Mirko Jerich will, will shoot him into, into some wins. Um, and, you know, as, uh, they will be down. I've got them as, as a ninth just above the jack jumpers. But I think Jerich is one of those X factors where they can be having a bad game and, and teams kind of put the, put the cue in the rack thinking, oh, there's three minutes left. We're up by 11. We're home. And then he did this last season, two or three games where he goes bang, 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 and you lose a game and you're like, man, we should have won that game. So they have a few players. They, they've got Pinder from Adelaide as well. So they'll battle, um, but I just don't think they're, they're deep enough or have enough talent to really cause any problems. Yeah, I'd agree with all of that. I, I just don't see the depth is there nor the talent is there for them to really make the final four and get into the playoffs. So completely agree with you about nature. Why though? I've always been a big fan of his and we saw in the game against Perth um, during the blitz, he had 21 points on 10 of 13 from the field. And I couldn't agree with more with what you said about just dump the ball down low to him. And if he's inspired, if he's, you know, switched on, no one can guard him, you know, and he's going to draw a double team or even a triple team and he's a good passer. You know, look, I just think he brings so much to the table and in the absence of a superstar import big, then I'd agree with that. You know, just keep getting the ball down to him. And at some stages during the Blitz, they've run actually Nature Y and Zimmerman on the floor together. And I like that. Two bigs, you know, make them play you. If you don't have the overall talent to beat another team, we'll mix it up, try something that they have to match and go with that. And Zimmerman's been impressive, you know. He had 18 and 11 against Adelaide in the overtime game with the 36 has just got home. He had 16 and 11 against Tasmania. So he's putting good numbers up and he's so such a big and nice touch close to the basket. He's going to score you a lot of points and throw into the mix um, Taj McCall as as well. I've been impressed with him so far. He had 14 points, 13 rebounds, six assists against the Perth Wildcats. He's going to be in the defensive player of the year conversation without a doubt. In fact, right now he is my tip for defensive player of the year. Uh, a great guy to speak to. Uh, spent some time with him in Tasmania just prior to the Blitz. Uh, real good attitude, coming to win, playing hard every night. Um, can you know? He, he's almost there are a couple of um, times during the games I've seen in the Blitz where he's put his body on the line and gone down hard. He bounces back up, not hurt. I'm playing on. Let's get on with it. Come on, bring it again, round two. And I love that attitude from him. I think he's going to be a real fan favourite. He'll bring a lot to the table. And they certainly are going to create havoc for some teams. They're going to have good nights and they're going to have bad nights. But just so far, I'm a little bit worried about Scott Machado. What was seen from him in the Blitz just looks a little, not disinterested, but I, I just don't know that Scott Machado is going to get back to that runner-up MVP type um, form that we've seen from him in the past. And, and if he doesn't bring his best and, and really isn't dictating, then I, I think it could be a long season for them. But uh, you're right about Keanu Pinder. Uh, I think he's a good pickup for them. Courtnoy, uh, well, it's time for him to step up, to be completely frank. Uh, and I think that he needs to have a good season because it's the likes of him and Majuk Deng and, as you say, Mirka Jerich and even Jordan Nartai. They need to start making a statement that they've had 
experience and time in the league now. The team needs you to step up. It's time for you to step up if Cairns are going to drag themselves out of that bottom three where most experts seem to be tipping that they'll finish. No doubt. One question I have is uh, is around, you know, Ford likes to play his kind of veteran star players big minutes. So I'm interested to see how that goes in the long run of a season. If they get an injury or two, I know he likes to shorten rotations. Um, he's, he's definitely not one of those coaches that messes around. Like if he puts you in um, off the bench and you make a mistake early, he's going to pull you and sit you for the rest of the night. So I know, as you said about Scott Machado, I think it starts and ends with him. Like I said, if he's not, if he's not coming in as as a you know he was an MVP candidate a couple of seasons ago if he's not coming in with that mentality they're going to come out of the gates flat and they're just not going to be able to compete and then all sorts of issues are going to arise but there's a lot of guys on that team with question marks noise another one you know he was a fringe NBA player at the time of, of signing with Cairns and thought it was going to be a one-year stopover before he got back over there and that hasn't eventuated so they have a lot of guys with chips on their shoulders that can maybe get them a few extra wins but yeah as I said I've, I've got them towards the bottom yeah yeah. All right, let's go on to the New Zealand Breakers. So, Wow. Yeah, inter- interesting roster, um, but I just don't see it again. I have them I have them floating um, around – I have them around seven, um, just below Adelaide. I, I think they'll be competitive in spurts. I think a few things hurt them. Abercrombie, number one, has – you know, this this was a bit of a lot. No, no offense to Abercrombie, but they labelled him as just a what was it a, a side strain, which I thought a bit was a bit comical because I, I don't know what a side strain is. <laughs> it could be there's a there's a big side of your body that could be numerous different things. I saw him. I think um I think it was against, might have been winning against the Kings, but he, he hurt himself and went out of the game pretty quickly. So that's a big out for them. He's their kind of leader, even when he's not scoring. They've got a pretty mixed roster talent wise. Um, I think they'll be competitive. Being away from home again could be an issue um, we know how bad that was for them last season their mental health it's been well noted there were a few guys on that squad that really struggled I like McDowell White I think that's he had a he had a fairly good year last year when he came on um, but I just don't think they have enough on a nightly basis to to put points on the board quite frankly that's where I think they're going to struggle at times they they, they, te- they seem to dry up in spurts they had a decent preseason but I think they're yeah they're in the middle of the pack they'll get some wins but they're not going to be in that four at the end of the season they've got a lot of tools to work with you know you look at their lineup and you know they've got most bases covered they've got a good coach and Dan Shamir I really like the way he goes about it but as you say Abercrombie injured already they've also had COVID problems already we know that they've got travel problems as a result of that but you know you just love the way that they dig in and particularly last year I mean hats off to them one of the great performances for them just to to tough that out because, uh, you know, it could not have been easy for them. And I just think that it's going to be tough for them again this year. Um, take nothing away from them. They, they've beaten Southeast Melbourne Phoenix in the preseason. We saw uh, Finn Delaney hit a three ball on the buzzer, which was just extraordinary to win. You know, and they'd, they they came from well down. I think they were nine down uh, in the last quarter against the Kings and beat them in the preseason as well. So they are full full of heart. Love what they bring to the table, but I'm not sure that they're going to have enough consistent consistently in a game against the Kings. Uh, Jeremiah Martin had 23.7 assists and five steals. So that gives you an indication of the quality he's going to bring to the table. And I'm really big on uh, the youngsters they've got coming in as well. You know, Hugo Besson um, against the Phoenix, he had 24 in that game. And in the same game, Ushman Jeng, 
18 points, nine rebounds, and I really like the bounce that he's got. He's a young player. You know, they've recruited uh, Yanni Wetzel this year, which I think is a good pickup. And him and Rob Lowe in tandem are going to present problems for other teams, and that's not to mention Peyton Siever, who arrives here with a huge reputation. And Will, Will, Will McDowell-White as well had his moments last year as well. Um, so, you know, they've got a lot of bases covered, but again, I think it's going to come down to getting consistent wins and given the, the struggles they have off court in terms of their travel and being away from home, et cetera. I mean, they, it's almost like they're starting behind everyone uh, and already now with COVID issues so far. So I, I just think that, you know, I've got other teams uh, ahead of them and I think you said you might have had them around number seven. Well, that's the number I've got next to the New Zealand Breakers as well. Yeah, no doubt, and they've um, it, it'll it'll come down to whether they get home games as well. If they can get a few home games towards the end of that season, it can help. But but much like last season, they've cut, they're already out of the race when they got those home games, and this could be a similar situation if if they're based here for the first you know two thirds of the season and they're banking on those home games, it could be too little, too late. So there are there are some young. Yeah, pieces. I think Shamir, this is arguably the season he's going to probably earn his money, I think. Um, I like him as well. I've liked what he's done, but they just haven't had a whole lot of success, albeit not a lot of it has been just his fault. They've had injuries, injury battles, the COVID thing, the travel. They've, they've had every excuse under the sun. But like you said, the one thing I like about him is you don't really hear that much about those excuses. They still come out there and battle and you still have to beat them. They're not going to they're not gonna lay down and just show up and be like, oh, it's not fair. We're just, we'll make up the numbers this season. We're away from home. They actually battled last season, which is a credit to, to them and what Matt Walsh has um, put together in New Zealand. And just quickly for Matt Walsh, we uh, I believe he was actually uh, banished from the, the sideline at the Blitz. So he's already in the bad books with the NBL <laughs> officials. He was, <laughs> he was apparently in the, in the referee's ear and, and apparently his voice was being picked up on, on broadcast of all, of all places. So he got he got sent to the doldrums about eight, uh, eight rows back, which is – I love it though. I love passionate owners, DMs, coaches, but uh, just a small funny tidbit for, for old Matt Walsh. Yeah, I love it as well. He had some advice for the opposite position players as well which yeah, <laughs> I love that that's great I think it's fantastic I mean is he is he uh, the NBL's Matt Cuban Mark Cuban Matt Walsh is, why not he, he's He's, he's so passionate. I love what he brings. And, you know, I don't think any player is going to be offended or take offence at an owner, you know, yelling out abuse to him, you know, during the game. You'd, you'd, bring, you'd say, bring it on, you know, come out here, let, you know, let's go type thing. It's sort of, I think it adds to it. Former player as well. You know, he played in some yeah. big, big leagues in Europe. And, and I, I like that. I mean, I, I know the NBA does yeah. it at times, but I think that back and forth, even if a player says, hey, man, sit, sit your ass down, shut up. <laughs> I, I think it's great. It's, those theatrics are what you, you know, you don't want to obviously get to a situation where there's fisticuffs but that that ever rarely happens but it's it's great for the brand it's great people talk about it it's back and forth between the two teams it maybe builds a rivalry they're the kind of things the NBL continue, needs to continue to, to market on and I liked it um, and yeah it was just it was just a funny story that we heard in our, in our little owners group chat so we were all kind of giving it to, to Matt Welsh yeah well he's putting his money where his mouth is and his mouth uh, can get busy at times and I don't have a problem with that at all no doubt okay Southeast Melbourne Phoenix so I have them in my four I think um, yeah the, the one main reason for me is I think Brokoff's going to have a breakout year. I think he he struggled uh, last season. It's been well noted. He had he had some injuries. He was uh, dealing with some mental health issues. But I think having him have a full preseason up his belt, get acclimatized to settling into Melbourne House. He's got a young child, getting his wife comfortable. That was playing on his mind a lot. Now he's got that settled. He's looked really really good in preseason. I think he's one of the best shooters, if not the best shooter in the league, feet set from three. So he will help him. Glidden's still there. That they are there. They're a bit of an older roster to an extent, Kyle Adnam. Mitch Creek had a fantastic season last season. He'll continue to build. Um, I'm interested to see Quee. You know, he's um, 
big Chinese, big fella, 216 centimeters. I've caught some games of theirs just briefly and, and foul trouble is a big problem for him. So he's still adjusting. He's adjusted a little bit better towards the end of the, the blitz, but teams are just going to try to get him out of that pain as much as possible, put him in pick and rolls and get him to draw some easy fouls because they want him out of the paint. You know, if, if he can if he can be allowed to roam that paint, he, he changes a lot of shots in there. He's long, he can block shots. And at the offensive end, you know, he's he's very, very long for those offensive rebounds and lobs. So it'd be interesting. Mumford, I think, was a very good pickup for him. And I believe they yep. just they just picked up a uh, a backup five, which um, I don't have the name here, but an import five, which begs the question that they might be thinking what, what we're thinking, that Kui will be will be a, a bit of an adjustment period. There might be some foul trouble, and we might not be able to play him for more than 20, 25 minutes because of the pick and roll situation. So I think they've got a budget uh, backup big who's a bit more mobile. So that, that kind of tells me that they're aware of their deficiencies and they're okay calling them out but I have them as of today I have them in third place in the top four yeah they're in my top four as well um, Devin Thomas is their second import that you're talking about uh, had a four-year career at Wake Forest uh, averaging 16 and 10 so he's a backup look I'm excited about what the way that they're going to play and I know that, that plenty of their fans are as well and so they should be because on what we've seen so far they, they're going to make it difficult for a lot of teams and I think this is their year let's not forget last year, you know, they were, what, 16 up in a deciding... They had, the ropes. Yeah, they had, Melbourne, they had Melbourne United on the ropes and, you know, just couldn't get across the line. So they were that close last year uh, and they've improved this year in terms of their roster from what I can see that, um, you know, I think that, you know, they're right in the mix, the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix. In fact, I've got them at number two. I, I really think that they can do some damage. And um, Joe Chi, the centre you're talking about, is, is the way that um, it's been pronounced to me. I, I think he's going to bring a lot. You know, we, they lost to the Hawks in overtime. He had 17 and 12 in that game, 10 and 9 in the game against New Zealand. So, you know, he's putting together some reasonable numbers and, and he looks as though he... He's going to be able to play. We'd be very familiar with the FIBA game as well. But I think he, he's going to bring more positives than negatives. I don't know that he's actually going to be as big a liability at the defensive end or, you know, on the floor as some people seem to think. I just think that, um, you know, you throw him into the mix and they get Dane Pinot back who, you know, had an outstanding year before he was injured um, and they've got the experience. They seem to have... Every area covered. Mitch Creek's one of my favourite players, and you know that he's going to be driving um, the culture there, Cam Glidden. And you speak about Ryan Brokoff. Well, it is. It's time for, for Brokoff. This could be his year. It's going to be, hopefully, uh, we're going to see the real Ryan Brokoff, and, he, and he's prepared and ready to go. Um, you know, he started in that game against Sydney and finished with 12 and 10. So, uh, you know, he, he certainly can put up numbers pretty quick. And if he gets back to we know what is his best, then uh, teams are going to find it hard to contain him. So a lot to like about them. Uh, and I think that they're certainly, you know, as I say, last year they put the riding on the board. This year they need to back that up and they're going to be playing off of the championship, I think. Oh, killing me with the names. You just get them all right, mate. I, I struggle with them. That's why you're the you're the head play-by-play -play guy in Australia, <laughs> mate. But uh, I, I think my one concern uh, regarding Chi would be I know Simon Mitchell is big on um, showing on pick and rolls. He's big on on having that big. That's why they love Dean Pinnell out there. Dean Pinnell is very, very good at getting up high on pick and rolls, putting pressure on the guard, getting it out of their hands. With Chi, yep. I, I don't think you can do that. You have to you, – you, you really have to tailor your – 
defensive principles to try and go to his strengths, which is protecting the basket and and keeping him in the paint at all costs. It was kind of similar to when I was in Sydney. We try to keep myself around the basket as much as possible to alter shots and get those rebounds. They're going to do the same. I think I, I got a feeling they'll tailor their defense more towards him to protect him a little bit. And that's why I think these more mobile bigs might just steal some minutes in certain games, like a Bryce Cotton, for instance, or someone like that. You probably don't want Chi getting out above the three, showing and trapping a pick and roll because he's just not the fastest fella and not as mobile. So I think that's a good thing to have in your pocket because you've got you've got two different defensive kind of schemes and lineups that you can go to but i do know simon mitchell and the phoenix they do love putting pressure on the ball handler in pick and rolls so i'd be interested to see how they kind of protect um the big fellow back there yeah i agree with that just one thing i wanted to pick up just to go off topic just a little bit about the fact that you're playing so close to the basket you know when you were there with the kings can i ask you about the 2003 Under-19 World Championships. Now, for those who don't know, Australia won the championship. You were the MVP. I think you averaged around 25 and 17 boards. You're an 18-year-old and you're in Greece. I looked at some of the stats recently and you were jacking up a lot of threes back then. (laughs) I mean, I don't know what – you had 35 and 14 against Lithuania in in the final to get us the gold medal. And there's three – what was going on there? Were you a three-point specialist back then when you were 18? Oh, I I got them up. I um... (laughs) – yeah, so when I was younger, <laughs> I, under 12s, under 14s, I was stuck as a center, and then I didn't grow for like two years. So I had to figure out how to play the two three spot, and then I shot I shot the ball real well. I shot it well in college. I was low 30s, I think. Um, internationally, you know, uh, the 08 Olympics, I think I was top three for three point field goal percentage. Um, I think I actually I'm, I could be wrong. Someone sent this through on the on the basketball podcast that I think my three point percentage. For the boomers, might be higher than uh, Andrew Gazer's. <laughs> I, I believe it could, I could be wrong. I'll I'm check pretty, that. I'm pretty sure at, at Olympic Games. I'm pretty sure. So I used to get them up, and then um, yeah, I just look with Milwaukee. I was more inside. I shot 18 footers in Milwaukee more than anything, and then the elbow injury. Yeah, kind of changed the trajectory of all that. But yeah, you're right. I did. Uh, I did hoist them up back in the day. So <laughs> back in the day, you weren't shy. And uh, now in 706 NBA games, you hit three threes. I think. Yeah, it didn't Do you take remember any of them? Yeah, I remember a few of them. I remember a few of them were late shot clock. Uh, most of mine were usually full court or half court heaves after I'd grabbed the defensive rebound at the end of a quarter. So I'm a little bit pissed off about that percentage because of those ones. They shouldn't count. But uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I got them up. In the NBA, it was just a longer line for me. I never really felt comfortable to, to hoist them up from there. And, and then I guess in the NBA, once, you, once you're kind of half labeled as a non-shooter it's and you're assigned a role, you kind of I, – I was happy to live up to that role as, as bad as it was sometimes. But it was funny because then I'd go back to the national team and start hoisting them up and they felt good so just one of those things that was just a, a weird nuance in my career yeah no what a spectacular career it was mate so uh, we could reminisce about but maybe <laughs> yeah. another time <laughs> yeah no, that's all good illawarra illawarra hawks so uh, some might be shocked by this but i have them at two i think gorgon's yep. gorgon's second year third year fourth year that you usually see growth um usually see growth with what he's doing you know i, I think they've got some young pieces most specifically uh, Froling, uh, Harry Froling. I think Gorge is going to put a, a, f- a foot up his butt and get him going. And I think that's a guy that he has not unboxed the talent that he's been given because you know, he hasn't been in the best shape. He carries a little bit too much weight at times. A very, very talented player. I think Gorge will get the best. He gets the best out of those guys. He, he was notorious for it when he was with the Sydney Kings. He was notorious for it with the Victoria Titans. He'd get young guys that needed a bit of a, you know, ruffling every now and then, and he'd turn them into something. I think Justinian Jessup's going to be even better this season with a year under his belt and doing doing Summer League and all of that kind of fun stuff. Sam Froling, again, he's going to further improve. Tyler Hart. 
Harvey, you know, perennial scorer in the league. Who's who's going to fill that defensive stopper role for him? Um, Rath and Mays, another another guard for him, uh, potentially, you know, young guy for them that'll play into some spot minutes. Um, Lachlan Dent, Isaac White, we know all about them. Emmett Nahr, I think he's a, a key piece. I think he'll play a little bit more minutes. To what Breath was you know, didn't play a lot for the Boomers, but I liked what I've seen from him in the preseason. He's shooting the ball from three pretty well, uh, but just he's going to be a defensive menace, I think, in the NBA, protecting that basket. Antonius Cleveland will also be one of their premier imports, but they, they have a pretty well-balanced roster. But like I said, my X factor for these guys is that Gorgon second, third, fourth year trajectory with this young mix of talent and some guys coming back. I think they'll be up there. Yeah, I think they're going to be right in the mix as well. I've got them ranked number three at the moment. Uh, and you're right about Brian Gorgian. He'll, he'll be better this year and so will his team. I think it's the last roll of the dice for Harry Froling, though. Harry's had some chances. We had him here in Adelaide uh, you know, a few years ago and promised a lot. And I think uh, it would be fair to say that he probably hasn't lived up to the hype so far. Um, you know, he was talking NBA and, and right now, you know, Sam, his brother, has gone ahead of him in terms of a pecking order, I would have thought. Um, in terms of the Australian team, but it's you know Harry's really got to step up this year, and if, and if anyone's going to get it, well, if Brian Gorgian can't get the best out of Harry Froling, then trouble. Yeah, I don't know who can. I really don't know who can. But um, look, they've got plenty of good players there. You know, look, Dior Breath uh, comes with a very good reputation, um, but he's. Last couple of years, you know, he, he hasn't been a, a a game winner or a big numbers player. Maybe this year he will be that. So uh, I need to see a little bit more of what he can bring before, you know, I'm sort of really going to be able to, um, uh, you know, to speak of him a little more clarity. But uh, certainly they've got a good roster putting together there. We saw they beat Melbourne in the preseason and Cleveland had 21 points. We know that, you know, he's going to be putting up numbers. And I think Jessup, you're right, is, he'll be better for last season. So uh, in earlier in the, the blitz when the Illawarra beat the Phoenix by four in overtime, he hit seven of nine threes, you know, a couple of nights like that for him and, and he's going to get them across the line. Um, so Xavier Rathamaze is another guard that I think can bring a lot to the table here. And Tyler Harvey is just spectacular. I just love Tyler Harvey. He, you know, he plays at both ends of the floor and he can provide a bucket. You need scoring, he's going to do it. Isaac White um, came in during last season and, and put up some good games and good numbers and I think that he's only going to get better from that. So, look, you, where you look at their roster and you think, yeah, we've got most bases covered here, we've got the best coach in the competition. If this all comes together, well, we're right in the mix and I think that uh, they're certainly going to make semifinals and from there, well, you've got to be in it to win it and they'll certainly be around the mark. Yeah, I agree. I think Tyler Harvey... Last season, it felt like if he wasn't scoring or creating, they could not get a bucket. I think they've they've really adjusted well with their roster this season. They've made some tweaks, got a few more guys that can handle the ball, um, get them a bucket if they need be. Cleveland's one of them, so I think they they addressed that. But you know, Justin Simon was there was there. Their defender. So who's going to take that reign this season? Um, so I think it's it's probably going to be Cleveland's going to get that role. Isaac White will get it at times. He's a little bit of a bulldog in there. That's the question. They've 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 probably improved offensively. Tyler Harvey at times does get picked on uh, defensively at times. You know he's. He, he does a good job of keeping his chest in front and drawing a lot of charges. Some people will say flops, but that's part of the game. So they try to hide him at times, and they have to because last season, if he was in foul trouble and and he wasn't on the floor, they could not they could not score the ball for the most part. So I'm going to be interested to see that and who takes the reins of, of what Simon was last season because he was phenomenal defensively for him, and he's going to have to you know someone's going to have to fill his role of I'm going to be I've got Golding or I've got uh, Sobey and I'm I'm shutting them down. He was happy to do that, 
And I thought that's why they had a lot of success because he was happy to do that, which you don't you don't often get as an import. You know, hey, we, we, we want you as a defensive stopper. We don't need you to score. And he bought into that role very, very well, I thought, last season. Yeah, without a doubt. He was spectacular. Really like what he brought to the table. And I, I think the point you make is that it's incumbent on all those players now to step up a little bit. They need to funnel the players toward uh, Duop Reith and, you know, the rim protection that he provides. And hopefully they're going to be able to restrict teams to a score that they can beat because they've got the firepower there to put points on the board. So there's a lot of upside and uh, I think Illawarra Hawks fans can look forward to this season with a lot of optimism. No doubt. I think it'll be a fun, a fun, fun time for them. Okay, the Brisbane Bullets. So a lot of unknowns here. That they have, they have a decent roster. They'll be competitive. They've got some fiery guys there. Uh, former assistant coach, Mr. Duncan, is uh, is the head coach there. Congratulations to him as well. He's a fantastic guy to work with and has coached all around the world. But yeah, look, I have them towards the bottom. I have them at eight. They will be competitive. I think they're better than eight. To be fair, if I'm looking, if I'm looking at it again, I think they're better than eight. But I just, I just don't. I need some more from Patterson. I think he's come back in much better shape and looks a whole lot better. He was, yeah, much better. He was not looking good last season. He was getting bigger and bigger. But he's one of those guys that could have a bad eating few weeks and get bigger again you need him to be in peak physical condition and for what he was doing with an out of shape body last season he was still performing pretty well so i think he'll take a big step up tyrell harrison has continued to improve as a big so he'll be their rim protection weakness very very lauded young talent in the nbl so interested to see him continue to build didn't have the best first season um but was 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 in in and out of the lineup at different times but this starts and ends with Sobi. his jump last season was phenomenal i really enjoyed watching his progression i actually tried to get him in sydney couple of years ago we, we had some talks with him initially he was i just love the way he goes about it and his improvement year on year you know people forget he he came from you know the minor leagues a siebel the you know vbl essentially many many years ago when joey wright recruited him you'd know better of where he came from down that way warnable i believe warnable yep and 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 you know he's just a fiery dude that'll fight you and i've i got into it with him when he was with the Sixers, and i love that about him i love his fire <laughs> so and he's he's now and he's a legitimate MVP candidate. I thought he was he was easily top three MVP voting last season, in my opinion. And I think he'll be he'll be that again. His three point shot has dramatically improved. More so, he didn't didn't really have a doesn't have a bad technique. It's just a, it was a confidence thing where if he missed his first couple or missed he'd just be gung ho on trying to get to the basket, even even against guys like myself and trying to finish over a big guy. Whereas now he's 0 for 5, he'll shoot the 6-1, you won't know he's 0 for 5. And that's the mentality change in Sobe. So I've been really happy watching him. I think they'll be competitive as well. I just don't think they have enough to get um, into that top four case. Yeah, I must admit that I had them down at number eight as well. And I agree with you totally that they are better than the number eight next to them sort of would suggest because they have got Nathan Sobey, who was outstanding last year, you know, third in MVP voting behind Bryce Cotton and Tyler Harvey. Um, and, you know, all NBL first team. Uh, it starts with him and he is maturing even more so. I remember you're talking about when he first came to Adelaide, he almost jumped out of the stadium here one night uh, blocking a shot. His athleticism was just outstanding and he's added something to his game every season since then to get to the situation where he forced his way into our Olympic team and, as I mentioned, you know, top three in MVP voting last season. So um, Nathan Sobey's 
and it's the first time in his career this season that he's been the oldest player on the team. And speaking with him just prior to the Blitz, he's really embraced that leadership role. And I think the, the bronze medal is going to do wonders for him and his psyche and, and what he'll bring to the table here for Brisbane. He's uh, he's such an important player and one of the most exciting players in the competition. So uh, he's set for another big season. Um, and just while we're on vets, I spoke to Jason Kadi as well. And uh, I, I mentioned the fact that Sobi. Um, was the oldest man on the team and, and he wouldn't be far behind him. And Jason, his quote to me was, I'm not old, I've just been around a long time. And, <laughs> <laughs> and that's the truth. <laughs> and that's the truth because, you know, we spoke about how long I've been involved in my fourth decade in the league. I remember going to West Sydney Razorback games to broadcast the game and he was out on the floor taking free throws and as a kid, yeah, and geez. you know, he's he, he, he's he's been on the court with a basketball in his hand since probably he could walk. Uh, he brings so much to the table. I saw him coaching or you know, helping James Duncan uh, coaching there during the blitz there the other night. And he, he, he brings so much in terms of a, a smart player and IQ, the operator that he is to get his teammates involved. And he doesn't make too many mistakes, so you know, he brings a lot to the table. But you mentioned Tyrell Harris, and I think he's the key, he has to step up. There's no Hodgson there now, there's no Magna there he's the big and how Brisbane go is going to depend a lot on how he goes and he needs to be involved in the offense as much as he can and he needs to stay out of foul trouble so he's certainly the key I mean we haven't seen a lot of Isaiah Moss one of their imports so far so it's hard to get a a, a good line on them but Lamar Patterson uh, has been outstanding during the blitz and he's set for a big season we know he can score Uh, you know you can throw the ball to him and he can create and he you're right, he's in much better shape. He, he's looking back to uh, the original um, Lamar Patterson that we saw that, that first hit the uh, the NBL back in 2020. He was third behind Cotton and Machado and MVP voting as well. And, and you know, and sort of, um, you know, in 19 and 20 was all NBL first team. So he's going to be, again, a focal point for them. But um, And one other I wanted to mention was Tom Digbert, who is the next star. And... Uh, Boy, has he got some energy and some talent. I think he's going to be one of the highlights of this season, this young man, and I'm really excited about what he's going to bring to the NBL. So I spoke with Robert Franks as well, and he's a quality import that they're going to get good minutes from. So as I say, the more I look through their their roster, you know, with those backup players in Wigness and Krebs and likewise, um, you know, Deng Deng, and Drimmick, you know, we shouldn't leave him out of the equation as well. He's always active and always looking to promote something for his team. So there's a lot there that you can, you know, ticks a lot of boxes, the, the Brisbane team. And the fact that I've got them with an eight next to their name at the moment, um, you know, I might have to revisit that because it's hard to believe that they're going to finish eighth. Yeah, I agree. I, I thought they were, you know, a bit stiff on my rankings, but I just, I think it's just such a tough year. You may arguably flip them with New Zealand, even, you know, potentially put them up to six, but um, it's just, it's a close year. And I mean, yeah, we're putting it on the table, so I'm sure we'll be wrong about a few of them, but they'll be, they'll be fun to watch. As I said, they've got, they got a rookie head coach in the NBL, James Duncan, who was with us, assistant coach to Will Weaver and, and uh, Adam Ford in, in Sydney. So I'll be interested to see how he goes in his, in his first head coaching gig in Australia. All right, Melbourne United. So you spoke that you don't have them in your four, neither do I. I've got them at five um, and I'm kind of half tossing it up just because Daly is probably, you know, he's, he's a better version of, of Mitch McCarron to an extent as a today, who knows, because Daly hasn't played a lot of basketball the last 12 months, but he was the NBA. I think they've yeah they've flipped that now. I, I think, you know, with the age uh, and the profile coming up the mountain, coming down the mountain, I think that, you know, there's very similar players in many ways 
But I think maybe Mitch is just edge ahead of him. But we will the jury's out on that because we haven't seen Delhi play here this season. So, but um, yeah, I'd, I'd have Mitch just ahead of him at the moment. Yeah, I, I just yeah. My whole thing is I don't like Doughton Delhi because he's a winner and and he will yep. that group will come together. Um, I just I feel like there's a bit of an age issue there. Um, Golding's obviously going to be their gunner offensively. David Barlow's. Uh, will continue to be a, a big piece, even though he's getting up there in age. They have a, a lot of younger players. Will they fit in? Brad Newley's obviously revitalizing himself there and has played played pretty well in the preseason. Ariel Huckporty looks to be very, very solid, but but will Vickerman count on him for big minutes? That's the question mark. Caleb Bagada, same kind of question. I think he'll be he'll be a solid uh, scoring threat for him. Okwera, an athlete, won't be counted on too much offensively, probably won't play a whole lot, but will be used as that, probably that McDaniel role to be more of a stopper. Dion Prewster, Jack White's an interesting one. When he comes back, I think he can be a ball of energy for him that can really help him. Joe Luau Chul had a fantastic preseason. He had a, was it a 38-point game in that preseason? Yeah, um, 37 and 11 he had against New Zealand. And he's, he's not shy. He's going to get him up. Even when we played him and scouted him, we knew, hey, when this guy catches, he's going to shoot it. But you love that aggression. And he's he's definitely made um, some improvements year on year from when he's been in the NBL. Mason Peatling, the same. He ended up playing into some minutes last season because of the Jack White injury. And he, I think he, he proved himself pretty well. Shea Ely, I love his energy. He comes off the bench. He's a terrier, picks up full court. Really annoying for opposing team point guards to try to get the ball over half court. And then uh, William Hickey and Triplett probably won't play a whole lot, but they'll be in the mix every now and then but it's more so just seeing who Vickerman trusts late in games and throughout games and I think that I think their first probably four or five six games he's going to be figuring things out as much as we are about who they are and who they count on for those 30 minute blocks besides your Golding and your, your Della Vadova. yeah you know, I just have, I guess I have them fifth because, you know, I tried to find room for them in the top four. And as I say, it's rare that you will leave out the defending champion out of your top four for the following season. But I just look at the players that they've lost. And obviously, Jock Landale's a massive loss for them. Um, I don't know how you actually go about replacing someone like him. Yes, Jack White is going to be outstanding. And when he comes back, uh, you know, but when does he come back? And when he comes back, how long does it take him to get back up to the the style and the standard that we saw from him at the start of last season. I remember him playing the first game here in Adelaide and at that time, although he can be defensive player of the year, he he was just outstanding. The leadership he provides uh, and do-it-all type scenario he brings to the table, um, I think he can be outstanding, but he's coming off that injury. Um, and as you, you're right, you know, Delavadova, I guess an unknown uh, quantity in terms of uh, what we can expect from him. I just don't think he's going to be a high-scoring guard, and that's not his go. That's not his MO. So uh, who is going to be their score? You take a look through their team, and, you know, David Barlow, another year older, Brad Newley, veteran status. Uh, Luala Chul, yes, is going to have to step up and did in that game against New Zealand where he had 37 and 11. But he does have – he can be in and out of a game, and he does get emotional, and he needs to, you know, just be on a level – and playing high quality and high intensity for the whole game. And that's going to be the challenge for him this year. Uh, Shea Ely is outstanding. I've always been a big fan of his coming in in that backup role and Huck Porter you mentioned. But you look at that team and their, their roster and you say, well, where are their scorers? And their two main scoring threats are going to be Chris Golding and Caleb Agata. Yep. And they're very similar players. Uh, you know, they're going to be spraying up shots and, and tough shots and making tough shots as well. But 
I think I'm not sure about the balance of the team that Dean Vickerman's got here at his disposal. And as you say, with so many new faces and, and changing the whole thing up, losing your premier big in Landale and your point guard in Mitch McCarron, um, you know, that's that's a lot for the whole team to get its head around. So I think there are just a few question marks around Melbourne and the age factor again, um, you know, you, you can't underestimate that. So throwing all those things into the mix, I think it was just a case of I found a reason to have four teams above Melbourne rather than rating them number fifth. That's just where where they fell that I could find more reason to have four teams above them. Yeah, you don't like you said earlier, you don't often see a, an NBL champion not picked in the top four, so we both could have egg on our face. But I think, look, they'll, they'll be competitive. I think they're going to struggle to score at times. They're going to have to really grind it out defensively, and I think they've got some really good defensive players. But it's going to come down to those young guys. Like, Huck Porty's going to be, if he has a good year for him, um, obviously a rookie in the NBL, a, a young star who's tapped to be an NBA player one day, he's going to have a good year for him. Pete Ling, Chul, those guys need to be solid. And I think Jack White, if they can you know, get him back early, it'll help. But yeah, I just it just does not seem like it's an over-talented roster right now. I think it's a solid workman's roster. They'll get wins based on that, and I have them probably higher than I probably should based on on what their roster looks like because I think that will outwork teams as the season goes on for for for. for stretches with the way Vickerman coaches they'll just try to grind games out but yeah the, the the scoring is definitely an issue and who fills into different roles like the Jock Landale hole for them I think Achul's gonna have to fill that as far as scoring down on the block but um yeah it'll be interesting to watch I mean I'm really interested to see how Delhi goes one thing about Delhi is people don't realize he hasn't played a lot of basketball the last couple of years you know he had he had some concussion issues um his last season in Cleveland where he didn't he honestly didn't play for six or seven months, then went to an Olympics. So he hasn't played consistent full season of basketball for a while. And we saw obviously his form, you know, people were talking about, oh, what's wrong with Delhi? Well, his role is not to be flashy and get points, as you said. So he got a little bit of an unfair treatment by some of our fans during the Olympics, but he hadn't played basketball in a long, long time. And so that you, you excuse him blowing out the cobwebs, unfortunately, at Olympics. I think now with the preseason, getting his legs back under him, you know, Delhi's a probably consummate professional when it comes to recovery and weights and doing all the extra things. I think he'll come out playing well, but um, yeah, I have them at fifth. I just can't put him any higher. No, and I think it's just fantastic that Delhi's back in the league. I mean, full stop. He's going to bring people through, put bums on seats uh, because they want to see him play. Uh, such a great career in the NBA, but as you say, hasn't played a lot recently. And no doubt, um, he's going to, you know, he's going to have good nights and bad nights. I think, but um, I think what we're, we're sort of both around the same mark here in terms of putting points on the board is could be the problem for Melbourne United and Delhi's not expected to do that. He's If he can add that to his game, um, then you know, maybe they are a championship contender, but right now they're just outside the top four for me. Yeah, and I think that's where Scott Hob- Scotty Hobson was really good for him, I think. You know, even when he came off the bench at times yeah. last season, I felt like he played that role really well when they when they dried up a little bit, they could bring him in and he done a you know, he was fantastic, but he's he's back over in the G League. I mean, I think they have a they still have a import spot, I believe, that they can play with if they need be. So we'll watch that space. Perth Wildcats, the lucky last. Now, the funny thing about these two teams' case is if either of them win the championship, Hutchie's a happy man. I, I'm not sure if he's <laughs> – I'm just wondering if he's still got his United shares just quietly. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. But we've, we've given him a little bit of shit in the group chat. So <laughs> when, those two, when those two teams play in the regular season, he walks away with a smile on his face either way. But you can never doubt the Perth Wildcats. Um, no. The age-old story, longest playoff run in, in Australian sports or finals run big question mark for me is home games for them that that plays a huge role in where where they finish i think they're 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 rounding out my top four where they finish in that is going to be dependent on on what mr mcgowan does with those borders out in wa because they're their home their home base as much as i hate them 
they're, they're phenomenal. They're a phenomenal fan base. They, they, they do cause the intimidation factor with players and officials and referees. And it is a tough place to get wins. So you take that away completely. Let's say Devil's Advocate, they can't get home till July because McGowan wants to close the borders forever. That changes things for me. I think they're still top four, but I don't think they're as dominant. If they have those home games, I'd probably almost put them closer to one if they had all their home games. I, I still think they're a very, very good roster. Bryce Cotton is just an unbelievable player. The schemes that he faces on a weekly basis when we used to scout, him, everything was Bryce Cotton. If we stop him, we'll beat the Perth Wildcats. They've got some good young talent, you know, Jack Purchase, they, they got from over from Victoria, Corey Sherville. Um, Wagstaff has got another year, good veteran leader. Kevin White, good veteran leader. Luke Travers, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing the jump he makes with, uh, I think he kind of he peaked late last season and took that jump and then realized like, hey, I can I can be a really good player in the NBL and really started to get minutes with the injuries they had. So I think with a, a preseason now and get some confidence up, I think that'll help them. I think the Hodgson pickup was really big for them and that kind of came out of nowhere. No one really saw that coming. Picked him up late, a good rim presence for him. Michael Fraser will be good for him. Um, he's had some NBA, NBA slash G League experience. Mitch Norton, um, he was lauded by a few teams. Um, the Jack Jumpers boosted his value very much, made Perth get the wallet out, which is always a good thing for the player. But I know he was he was wanted by a lot of teams. His veteran leadership, much probably probably a poor man's version of a McCarron or a Delavadova, in my opinion, like that kind of role where he can affect the game without scoring, um, which is what you want. I thought Blanchfield had a really good bounce back career year last season and was part of a winning culture where he was influential towards that. Victor Law is looking really, really good in preseason. Um, I think that's the one-two punch that Bryce probably didn't have last season. So I think having him on that in, in that roster, that is that is a pretty decent roster in my opinion. Some people are counting them out again. I'm not. They're, they're definitely in my top four. No, well, I think a, a few experts around the league counted them out uh, a couple of seasons ago and ended up with egg on their face. And my, my, my stock standard with the Perth Wildcats is they're in my finals, whether it's a 14, 16, <laughs> whatever the number is. They're in forever until they miss out because they just find a way to do it. And when you say Bryce Cotton, Vic Law and the Red Army, well, that's a lot of wins already there, regardless of even discussing anything deeper than that. Yes, rookie coach, uh, you know, sort of throws a wrinkle in there. Arrived but, very uh, late no, as well. Yeah, arrived very arrived late. Arrived very late as well, yeah. Uh, actually hadn't, uh, you know, wasn't even in Tasmania on the opening day uh, when we did the promo shoot down there for the NBL was arriving the next day. So I, I think there are a couple of things that do work against them. But as I say, they just keep finding a way. But they're in my top four. I've got them in at fourth at the moment and they're in there and, until, uh, you know, it's, anyone can prove otherwise. I just wonder, though, if the uh, unthinkable were to happen and the Wildcats miss the playoffs for the first time uh, in 35 years, there's a little bit of pressure on Hutchie. Does he then have to wear the tag, uh, you know, of sort of, uh, you know, the weakest link there, the team, he's bought the team, and now that they they haven't worked for, out for them? I don't know how that affects Hutchie. Shamozel, yeah, he's uh, put the put the jinx on him. We'll see. You know, I know he's... Uh... <laughs> We know our friends out in WA love people from Melbourne, so <laughs> they're a little torn out <laughs> the there. Scapegoat. They're a little He'll torn. He'll the torn. scapegoat. They're torn. Oh, he's gonna, yeah, he better, you better win it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, you're in some trouble. He'll be run out of town. But you, you mentioned the fact with the borders, et cetera, in WA and, and what uh, the Premier over there, Mark McGowan's going to do. Well, the way that it's been structured now, they're going to play their first seven or eight games at home. They could be eight and zero. 
uh, you know, through their first eight games before they have to go on the road. And if you're building off that platform or six and two or seven and one or, you know, something along those lines, then you think you're a long way uh, down the track to, to making the final four. Um, you know, Bryce Cotton looked in great shape when I when I saw him in Tasmania. Um, and as you say, Vic Law, now the only thing that worries me about Vic Law, he's a high-quality player. He could be the best import in the competition. But during the blitz, I've noticed Vic, complaining a lot to the referees and that's something I just it puts just this little question mark in my mind um you know he Vic needs to play and play hard and his talent his ability uh, that's going to get him a long way he just needs to leave the refs alone concentrate on what he can bring to the table the good news for the Wildcats fans is a Todd Blanchfield is ahead of schedule in terms of coming back from his injury. Mitch Norton was just extraordinary what he put himself through in last season's finals, and and he's a gun. He's someone I'd have in my team, one of the first pick, because you know what you're going to get from him, uh, and that is a never-say-die attitude. He brings a lot to the table. So, you know, you talk about some of their um, other players like Luke Travers. I think he's set for, uh, you know, for a a breakout year if last year wasn't a breakout year. Uh, I, I spoke to him in Tasmania a couple of weeks ago about the uh, playing against Josh Giddy last season and seeing what he does and seeing what he's translated to in the NBA if that gave him confidence and optimism about what he can do. And he was, you know, he was nodding his head along those lines and saying that, you know, that's the type of player he thinks he can be at that standard and play an NBA standard. And, and if he's going to be able to do that, then this year he needs to step up and be a force for this team. Um, Frazier's a worry, has injury problems, didn't look good at all in, in the blitz. Um, and, you know, it's never a good sign if one of your imports is injured early, um, if they have to nurse him. But the positives are Matty Hodgson is there. Um, Majuk, Majuk seems to be back to his best. Jesse Wagstaff, we know, is a winner and will do whatever it takes. So, you know, they tick a lot of boxes again as well. And, you know, you look at their roster, you look at what their fans bring to the table. The Perth Wildcats are definitely in my top four. And as I say, they're going to be there forever until they don't make the top four because they just know how to win. Yeah, yeah, and it's a fair point uh, around starting um, in WA. I just wonder if they can get back in. You know, that's that's the question. You know, once they leave to come come out east and do their long road trip over here, I just wonder, you know, if they're potentially in the finals, how that all works because, you know, it's it's, it's a pretty crazy time right now, especially I think WA is probably one of the one of the most gung-ho states as far as closures. You, you hope it, it – it, you know, the NBL is obviously thinking shit by after Easter, May, June, hopefully things have opened up and gotten better around finals time, but that could be a potential rabbit in the hole, you're right. You, you can get into a finals and probably not have a finals game on your home floor if the borders don't, you know, reopen. So that that's a space that I'm definitely going to watch. Just to finish off real quick, we appreciate that. that that's both of our, uh, our ladders. I'm, I'm sure we'll be right about a few and wrong about a few. When every NBL team comes to town, Case, which is the one team that wins or losses don't matter? Which is the one team you want to see against Adelaide 36ers? Which 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 team in the NBL is, is the price of admission team for you that you really want to see? Ah, uh, look, this year or overall? Well, this year. This year, yeah. Yeah, this year. Well, you know, I'm really looking forward to seeing the Aurora Hawks come to town. Uh, always a lot of fun. Um, you know, when Gorge is in town and, and what they've they've brought to the table and the way they put their roster together, I think the Hawks, one team that I'm really looking forward to seeing. Obviously, Perth Wildcats, you love seeing Bryce Cotton come to town as well. But, um, you know, the Hawks, they bring a lot to the table and Xavier Rathamays, I think, is going to be exciting. Tim Digba from Brisbane is going to be exciting. I think, you know, most teams this year, because there's been such a huge turnover in personnel, that you can find a reason to want to go and see each team when they come to Adelaide. But I guess if you're going to pin me down to one team, uh, I might even go with the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix, only because uh, the Mitch Creek scenario, 
and everything that he brings to the table. The fans still love him here. He loves them. And you're guaranteed that something exciting is going to happen when Mitch Creek is in town. So uh, the Phoenix will be one I'll circle, but I'll be very happy to be courtside at each of the 36th home games this year because I think they're going to win a lot. And, uh, you know, they can even win the whole thing, as I said earlier. Yeah, I'm probably I'm probably Adelaide. I think um, I'm excited to see how that roster comes together and and rookie head coach. And I can hopefully get to a game and heckle CJ while he's coaching and try to talk a bit of shit to him. Ah. But uh, I think their roster's got the potential to be you know to be a championship roster. I just I just don't think it's going to come together straight away. I think it's going to take a year or two. But um, I like their, their their talent on that roster. I think they'll be exciting to watch. And I, I like Hannah's. I think um, he's going to be a fun guy to follow. Just getting hoisted and one of those no conscious conscience shooters. You know, um, just going to fire him up at any cost. They're always fun to watch as long as a few of them go in. Yeah. Well, look, you're welcome in Adelaide anytime. We loved having you here as a player. And uh, you can come and sit. I'll organise the front row tickets for you. You can sit there not far from where CJ will be operating. So that would be an interesting <laughs> scenario. Andrew Bogut, front row, uh, maybe just offering some advice for the 36ers bench here, here and there against the Kings. That would be outstanding. We'd love to see it. Yeah, that'd no, be great. Well, Case, appreciate it. Hopefully everyone got uh, something out of that. This season should be a cracker. A lot of uh, a lot of curveballs to come with COVID and borders and road trips and all that kind of stuff. But thankfully, we're going to get some basketball back on TV in Australia, on Australian soil. The NBA's obviously started, but it'll be good to have this start. Um, what is it? A little under, a little over a week away from, from tip-off. So we're looking forward to it. Thanks, Case. No worries at all, Bogues. Always great to talk to you. Really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, looking forward to seeing you here in Adelaide during the NBL season. Get out and see some games, people. That'll be great. That's it. Thanks. Cheers.